Welcome to AV Plus, the podcast from Commercial Integrator Magazine. I'm Adam Forziani, the web editor for CI. On this bonus feature episode, something we do at the end of each month, we're talking about something that we feel has stayed in the dark for far too long, a lack of diversity in the industry and how one group is trying to do something about that. Then, in honor of Independence Day here in the U.S., we'll hear from a few AV manufacturers who build their products here and what challenges they face in doing so. But first, a little housekeeping. Just a couple of quick messages today. You can learn more about AV Plus online at commercialintegrator.com slash podcast and on Twitter by searching the hashtag AV Plus pod. That's A-V-P-L-U-S-Pod. Also, would love it if you would review our show on iTunes. That will help us expand pretty quickly. Did you miss out on Infocom, by the way? You can find all of our videos, articles, and pictures at commercialintegrator.com. Great for if you missed out on the show or if you're looking to recap what you saw while you were there. Okay, now back to the show. Here's our monthly news roundup. Got the usual suspects here today. It's Craig McCormick. You want to introduce yourself, Craig? Hey, how are you? And Tom... Hi, how are you? Tom LeBlanc, the editor-in-chief. We're not going to talk about Infocom because, you know, we've been talking about that pretty much nonstop since we, uh, since we got back from Vegas. With that being said, I want to kind of twist that uh, angle a little bit because something happened in Vegas that I think is worthy of talking about in terms of uh, news that, you know, we really like to cover here. And, uh, Craig, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, at Infocom... <laughs> 2018. Um, yes. Avixa hosted a first meeting of a new council that's called the Diversity Council. It's a, a group that, that came together uh, within the, the last month or so um, based on uh, interest from, from members. I, I guess there was interest of about 100 or so members of starting a council that, that was um, you know kind of focused on increasing the diversity, I guess, within the AV industry, educating people of all different backgrounds about AV and you know kind of role that they can play in in, in the industry. Now, Craig, were there other efforts before uh, the Diversity Council to accomplish the same goal? I, I seem to remember us writing about that topic before in terms of a group. Um, I, I think it's been talked about informally. This this was kind of a, a formal step that that involved, like I said, um, twenty five members had to express that, that they would be interested in, in having this council for them to, to launch it. And, and it turned out that they got more than 100 people that, that said that they were, were interested. Beyond the whole issue of lack of diversity in the industry, which I think we've all talked about, like, like Craig said, probably more on, informally than anything else, but it also addresses the, the labor issue in the industry. And most of the time when you know Craig and I talk to folks who run integration firms and we ask them about what are some of the biggest challenges that they have with running their company and growing their company and invariably they tell us it's it's hard to find you know good qualified people to to hire and to bring in and you know kind of be that next generation of leadership in the in the company and you know what I like about this effort and all the efforts out there to get more people involved in the industry and you know uh, NSCA's Ignite program is a is a really good example of this is they're kind of based on you know growing that field of potential employees that can make a difference in this industry to me that's 
that's the huge impact that it can make. Is that what you would say then to those who are still sort of incredulous about the idea that the industry needs to diversify? I'd say I'm incredulous at the concept of being incredulous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go if you go to any industry event, it's pretty obvious that, you know, it, it's by no fault of the folks at the event, it's pretty one-dimensional and this country is not one-dimensional and, you know, there are a lot of talented people out there that, you know, have different experiences and may not be aware of the great opportunities in this really rewarding industry. Right. So to me, uh, that that is just a no-brainer and a great opportunity for everybody involved. Yeah, and I, I think there's kind of a, a common thread between the idea of getting young people involved in AV and um, diversifying AV. It comes down to like a lack of awareness. One thing that came up in, in conversations I've had about you know the Ignite program and, and other programs targeted at, at young people, and in, in this talk about the Diversity Council, is just people aren't always aware that AV is 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 an opportunity for them and they they don't even know in some cases what it is that that's more for the younger people i think but um i think there are you know people from from various backgrounds that you know haven't haven't heard of av don't know you know what role they can play in it you know how how they can get involved in it so i think it's you know it's both in both cases it's about increasing awareness of, of av and you know helping more people get involved in in the, in the industry, which is obviously a good thing for for all these companies that are looking for, you know, like Tom was saying, the, the next generation. Yeah, you know, we've talked about uh, how you know there is that sentiment of looking out at a sea of just you know white older men in, in a any given event, and you know this can be a a difficult thing to say, and it's a very difficult thing to hear, and, and you know people in that demographic sometimes get a little defensive to hear that. Uh, but again, it's not like we're saying it's the fault of any of these people in that demographic at this at these events or in this industry. It, you know, just like it's not the older generation's uh, fault for being born when they were, that's really just about improving the odds of, you know, hiring more and better people for your firm and, and making sure the industry is accessible. Yeah. And and I think I sometimes fall back on the, the cliche of, you know, that this industry used to be about old white men. And certainly that's that's changing, but that doesn't mean it can't change even more. That doesn't mean, you know, there can't be more women involved. There can't be more young people involved. There can't be more people from various backgrounds involved. And that, I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I mean, people always say they're, they're looking for talent and, you know, this is another way to, to increase that pool. If I were to ask you to just what you think you'd like to see from that group, would you have any immediate thoughts? I personally think that they're heading in the right direction, and, and the fact that people are not hiding the conversation anymore—it's it's out in public now. People are talking about it. People are aware of it. When I first started writing for CI, the conversation was always, "We don't have any young people," and now there's programs that NSCA has and Avixa has that that are trying to get more young people involved in the industry. And so, they do. I mean, yeah, they literally yeah. put young people in, yeah. the, in, in the industry. Yeah, so the, the I mean, the, the problems are now being addressed and, and talked about, and I think that's, you know, the, the best thing that they can possibly do. Yeah, I mean, I think it all just comes down to awareness. Some people are aware of opportunities that they have in their life in terms of, you know, educational pursuit or career opportunities. And some people are not aware. And the idea is to make 
as many people as possible aware of the great opportunities in the AV industry and you know taking steps toward casting a wider net that's that's what i think the the goal of this organization should be so we're not sure what it's like where you are right now, but over here at the CI offices, we can practically smell the barbecues coming up. I mean, we were just days away from the time of recording this from July 4th. It's a big holiday for the United States, of course, Independence Day. And for those of you outside of the U.S., you have to understand just how big of a holiday this is for us. You know, whether you like American foreign politics or not, you have to admit that as a nation, we're very uh, keen on celebrating our independence. I mean, as well any nation should be. But in honor of Independence Day, we really wanted to focus here at CI on what patriotism really looks like in business here in the U.S. And really what it looks like is making your products here. Uh, it seems like that is really the ultimate expression of what AV manufacturers have to say about being patriotic or just at least giving back to their own communities. So we're going to hear from a few companies on that topic. Sayura, Aurora, Zivi, FSR, Just Add Power, Leon, Stewart Film Screen, and really those are just a few of the AV manufacturers that make their products here. But despite that, they are really in the minority because as we all know, most electronics are really made overseas these days. So we really felt it was important to highlight these companies and their stories. So let's begin with Sayura. They're made in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Here's CEO Gretchen Gilbertson. The way that we're set up is that our office building and production facility are right next to one another. And I love this because it really allows all of our departments, whether it be customer service, our technical support team, our sales team, engineering, marketing, and, and so on, to be really familiar with the ins and outs of our production and quality control processes. It also allows our team to respond really fast to customer needs, which in this day and age is exactly what our customers are looking for. The more we can do under our own roof here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, the better off we're going to be as an organization and the better off our customers are going to be. Paul Harris of Aurora Multimedia in New Jersey says a big reason they manufacture in the U.S. has to do with the government regulations they need to follow to stay compliant in some of their markets. Aurora Multimedia manufactures the majority of our products in our own New Jersey facility. This allows for better quality control and faster time to market. It enables us to prototype very quickly and to customize at will when required. The cost can be a little more than producing overseas, but the other benefits outweigh the cost difference. By manufacturing in the United States, we can more easily do TAA-compliant projects for the government and military. The biggest challenges are making certain we have qualified people to run the assembly line and simply getting the electronic components in a timely fashion at the same time of the production run. It takes only one part to be delayed out of hundreds to hold up an entire run. Overall, designing and manufacturing our own products allows Aurora to create unique products that can differentiate from the competition. These days, there are so many companies pretending to be manufacturers when in reality, all they do is put their name brand on a product they did not make. It is a loss to creativity and quality at the expense of our industry. I think it's important for an integrator, consultant, or end user to verify with any potential manufacturer if they are the real deal or just another company sticking their label on someone else's product with no proper control over it. Steven Metzger of ZV says they've manufactured in both Asia and America before and have learned firsthand that it's better for them to stick to the States. In the early days of the company, 
we got caught into the conventional wisdom at the time that in order to be cost competitive, one had to manufacture uh, in China. And so we did. Now, the, the issues that we ran into were, first and foremost, managing quality. And that comes down to a number of different things. In order to cost competitively manufacture products in China, you have to run a lot of product through the pipeline. They're equipped to build thousands or tens of thousands of units a month. If your volumes are somewhat less than that, then what ends up happening is every time that you do a run, it ends up being almost like a new product introduction. And there are always quality issues with that. And managing quality with offshore manufacturing is just a tremendously difficult thing to do. Unless you have a presence planted in the factory, uh, it's really difficult to uh, gauge and manage what's, uh, what's going on. Secondly, managing the finances of manufacturing in Asia is difficult because there are things that just don't necessarily come to light uh, when you make the decision to go over. The cost of manufacturing is usually requires a payment up front of half, and then there's half required on delivery. Uh, and delivery is when it's FOB Hong Kong. Uh, that, that could be five, six, eight weeks prior to the product being available to ship based on shipping times. But really, what it comes down to is control over the supply chain. When you're in Asia, a lot of the sourcing decisions, even though the factories believe they're buying from reputable sources, just based on things sneaking into the supply chain, uh, you really don't have absolute control over that. Uh, Secondly is the ability to respond quickly to issues that may come up as they always do on the manufacturing line. Uh, when we pulled our product manufacturer back from Asia, we picked a local manufacturer that was within 30 minutes of our factory, uh, of our offices in Massachusetts. What that means is if there's any issue whatsoever with the product or even a question, uh, we can have engineers on the line within minutes to respond to it, to address it, to ensure that nothing gets out into the field. Secondly, now you get into higher level contracts that you may have with your customers, uh, particularly the government and the military. Many of those customers require that products are manufactured in the United States. That's a very simple consideration. Do your customers require U.S. manufacture? Well, if the answer is yes, then it has value to you. The founder of infrastructure products company FSR, Jan Sandry, says that the U.S. as a whole would be a much better service provider if more manufacturers stuck around in terms of both product quality and the quality of the workplace. United States needs manufacturing companies. Manufacturing boosts our economy, gives large numbers of people a place that they can work and acquire skills and promotions and receive decent benefits. And the country can't move ahead as a service provider. Some of the challenges we face are the offshore pricing. Let's face it, benefits cost money. And people in the United States expect a decent salary. There's nobody at FSR who works for even New Jersey minimum wage. People deserve a decent salary to raise their family and take care of their own expenses. So pricing is probably one of the largest um, competing issues that we have. But Manufacturing right here in the United States allows us to do modifications to our products. We can do entirely new products for our customers, and no one's waiting for the container load to come in.
This is our country. We've got to learn to protect our manufacturing positions, and we have to go after more manufacturing in this country. I think it's a great sense of pride that we all have when we put that American flag on all the products that we manufacture here. So I hope more manufacturers will take back some of their manufacturing from offshore because you can make sure that your quality is built in. And all manufacturers make errors along the way. It's just the nature of the beast. But we can correct it right away so that it doesn't get out into the marketplace. We have total control for the products that we're manufacturing. So one of the most common threads throughout all of these replies is this ability that USA manufacturers have to quickly and inexpensively monitor their production. But there are some considerable costs once the products are perfected and then ready to ship outside of the U.S. Just ask Taft Strickland of Just Add Power. Just Add Power is based in Largo, Florida, where we do our design, engineering, and manufacturing. One of the beautiful parts about actually manufacturing in the U.S. is that our team is based here in the U.S. So whether it's an idea that comes in from an integrator or a need that comes in for a specialty project, our design team, our engineering team are all at our fingertips uh, all the time. It also really decreases um, production time. So it's very simple for us to launch a new product and say, hey, we're going to build next week, which means the end of next week we'll be able to to ship that product as versus having to wait long periods of time for things to make it across the pond. One of the downsides uh, to building in the U.S. is um, there are some tariff issues um, in other parts of the world where we do a lot of business and it uh, can be a bit of a challenge. We're very proud of uh, who we are and where we're based and the fact that we are an American company. And we're very proud of our capability or ability to quickly pivot with uh, product development, product design, whether that's hardware, software, or firmware. Noah Kaplan of Leon Speakers says that mass customization is also a big factor. That's the idea that they can build and design products on a more reasonable scale. At Leon, we've been manufacturing products here in the States for over 20 years. It's incredibly important to us because we love American craftsmanship, we like working with our hands, and it really helps us stay in contact with the market. It allows us to also respond quickly to the changing technology. For instance, all of our speakers are custom built to match televisions that come out every year. We can quickly come out with models that match exactly within literally a couple of days. Plus, it helps us continue to innovate how we build um, so we don't have to just create one singular design, outsource it to China, and rely on that design for months and months. So it really helps us with speed to market. It also helps us with what we call mass customization. So this way we can design our audio platforms here ourselves, we can continue to tweak them, and then we can build them to scale and really at any scale. So we're not receiving cargo loads of any one thing. So it helps us remain lean. Lean manufacturing, another huge part of how we design, how we build. And so if you think about the large risks of ordering product from overseas, you're really transforming your business from a craftsman style or an innovation style company into more commoditized um, shipping company. That's not to say that there aren't great products that come out of overseas that come out of Asia. There's amazing products that come out of there, but you don't have the ability to really change them quickly. 
and you certainly don't have the ability to customize them uh, to help your customers match their style. Now, overall, I think that this response from Vegeta over at Stewart Film Screen pretty perfectly sums up the three most common reasons why these manufacturers make their products here. One of the main reasons for manufacturing in the United States is control. We manufacture here in Torrance, California, in Southern California. We are a vertically integrated company, and we manufacture from a molecular level to a finished product all in one location. Also, we make sure the end user gets the experience that they intended, wanted, and desired. The second reason is it's fast and repeatable. Integrators depend on this aspect, that we get them our product quickly and the exact formulation every single time. A third reason to manufacture in the U.S. is to decrease the time to market and delivery time to the end user. There is no waiting process for raw materials or finished goods on it from a ship, a plane, or other mode of transportation. Finally, manufacturing in the U.S. allows us to maintain cost structure and control and to offer the best product for the best price to the integrator. At Stuart Film Screen, we strive to deliver a perfect product on time and to spec, whether it be to the job site or wherever the customer needs it every single time. You know, something that struck me about that earlier conversation during the news roundup with Tom and Craig is when Tom talked about how our home country is so very diverse, so that its AV community should be too. I hope that as America celebrates Independence Day this year, those in the AV community take a moment to recognize that the word diversity means a lot more than a headline, or in this case, a podcast segment. It's what ultimately allows an organization or an industry to expand, and it's what makes any community a true community. So if you ask me, it's about time the AV industry becomes one. If they move, watch. It will be the beginning of the end.